everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone you may remember from season two. She's an author, a speaker, a writing coach, and I know her through Live Today Well Collective, which is a community of Catholic women bloggers. It's Katie Kibbe. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Julia. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for doing this again. Um, what's changed maybe from season two? Anything, any updates, life updates for us? Let's see. I am still in Cleveland, Ohio, and I have created a new project, actually two new projects, but one um, is a guided journal called Pondering, which is available on Amazon. And um, then I followed in your footsteps to create a podcast, but just for the season of Advent. How's it going? I am loving it. It is a project that I did not think I was going to enjoy as much as I am, Um, but it has been really fun to um, create something from scratch and test out uh, my kind of creative energy. Yeah, absolutely. What's your project called and where can we find it? It's called The Advent Podcast. And oh. it is on, <laughs> and it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, um, and it's something that you could listen to outside of the season of Advent. It's the it's looking at the Advent, the Nativity story through the lens of friendship. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we're we're recording in Advent right now, um, but this will probably come out either during the Christmas season. But um, I find. I mean, even though it's really good to keep the season of waiting, you know, we can relate to these scriptures, um, as you mentioned, I think, you know, throughout the year. So that's awesome. We'll definitely have to have people check that out. Is there anything else you wanted to share with the listeners before we get started on our scripture? No, I'm excited to dive in. Cool. Well, you've picked Isaiah 61, and we're going to read verses one through four. So whenever you are ready, I'm going to have you read it for us. Okay. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord, and a day of vindication by our God, to comfort all who mourn, to place on them who mourn in Zion, to place on those who mourn in Zion a diadem instead of ashes, to give them the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a glorious mantle instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of justice, the planting of the Lord to show his glory. They shall rebuild the ancient ruins the former wastes they shall raise up and restore the desolate cities, devastation of generation upon generation. So I'm going to give a little context. Uh, We are in Isaiah, kind of towards the end of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is divided into three parts. And this is from third Isaiah, the last half of Isaiah. And it's probably from a writer who wrote in the writing style of Isaiah 
after the Babylonian exile. Um, during the Babylonian exile, people from Israel were being taken from their homes. And so they were kind of scattered. And I feel like we get a little bit of hint of that and the feelings that they were feeling and God promising that there's going to be rebuilding after this time. And so I think that's kind of where Isaiah is coming from or the writer in this particular part of Isaiah. Um, Jesus references this in the New Testament about himself, the first part of it, which I'm sure we can talk about. And I also get little hints of the Magnificat in Luke's gospel from this, which you and I talked about on season two. So I'm excited to get into it. But Katie, my first question for my guests is why did you choose this passage? I I love that it's um, that Jesus finds himself in these words and in, in the Old Testament and in these words from this prophet um, and that this is the scroll that he picks when he is going to kind of introduce his ministry. Um, and I also am captivated by the part that he leaves out. So the fact that only a portion of it is what he reads and then sits down to teach. Yeah, so we're referencing, so I have my footnotes, and it is what you're referencing in the New Testament is Luke 4, I think, yes. chapter, yeah, chapter 4, verse 18. Yeah, so Jesus is, uh, like you mentioned, unrolling a scroll, kind of this is at the beginning of his ministry when he starts his ministry around the Sea of Galilee, and he's preaching from this, from this Old Testament verse from Isaiah, um, and quotes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. So what do you, like what, you said that what strikes you is that he omits some of the Isaiah verse. So like, what are, what does he omit and why do you think he does it? Well, I think just for brevity's sake, um, Mm -hmm. but so we don't think, so we hear that portion read in the gospel, um, but we don't often hear about how Jesus, if he is fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, that that he is meant and here to comfort those who mourn and that he is going to lift them up into a new existence, that they will then be tasked with this, with this kind of new mission. Um, and that they will be called Oaks of Justice. And what do you think that means, the Oaks of Justice? <laughs> well, I think that it's, number one, when you when you see trees, they normally, when they are, I guess, in their natural environment, maybe not in a yard, but in a natural environment in a forest, that, that there's a collection of them. They don't grow alone. So they that they will be found in community with each other. Um, and that... And, Oak trees are really strong and grow really tall, and it takes them a long time to grow. And so I think this is hopeful for the people who are mourning and are separated and are maybe struggling to um, find a firm footing in, you know, in, in daily life or after a big loss that Jesus provides hope. Absolutely. And as I referenced when I talked about the Isaiah passage, um, this prophecy was meant to provide hope uh, hope to people who had been scattered from their homes. And so I think you're right. Jesus is saying that he is going to be that hope. Um, And I, I think that he intentionally 
and I mean, he does everything intentionally, right? Because he's Jesus. But, um, you know, he intentionally um, picks this to because a lot of Isaiah's prophecies um, are about him, about the coming Messiah. So I think for him to start his ministry off by this and saying, like, guess what? Like that that prophecy from Isaiah, like it is here and and it's being proclaimed now through me. Um, I think it's very bold. I think if I were there, you know, listening to this as a Jewish person, I might I know that a lot of Jewish people felt at the time that he was being blasphemous uh, because he was saying that he was this fulfillment. I don't know if you wanted to respond to any of that. I agree. And I think that it is something that um, we don't often think about Jesus pushing the boundaries Mm -hmm. of um, the common religious experience at the time. We, you know, there were practices, there were, you know, strong structures in place. And for him to stand up and say that that Isaiah's the scroll of Isaiah was fulfilled in you know in because of his presence um those are pretty strong words mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely right and and I and you do wonder what was going on in the minds you know how many of the people um were were incensed by this Mm-hmm. Um, how many became curious because they had memorized the scroll themselves and were, you know, looking for the Messiah and were curious about when the Messiah was coming and, and who was so comfortable in their religious practice and in the rules and the structure that they were no longer curious. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, this is the very beginning. Like I'm looking, you know, contextually, Chapter three of Luke, he gets baptized. And this is very similar to Matthew's gospel too. Like he gets baptized, um, he gets tempted, goes to the desert to be tempted. And then this is literally like the next thing that he does. So it's very much um, at the start of his ministry before he's like healing people. So I think he's prepping people to say, you know, I'm going to 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 go back to code the verses that um, he picks specifically, like I'm here to bring glad tidings to the poor. Um proclaim liberty to captives, recover sight to the blind. Those are all things he is literally going to do in the coming chapters of of Luke's gospel. So I think it is, you know, intentional and cool that he picks those particular verses from uh, the prophet Isaiah. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that. Yeah. There's just, if we look around now, there's so much bad news. Mm -hmm. There's so much division, so much strife. Um, so many people that are really suffering, not only around the world, but in our families and in our communities. And to have somebody come in and say, I'm here to bring you good news. Um, it's what we all need and it's what we all want, but it's sometimes hard to take because if you have spent a lifetime of, of bad news and disappointment, sometimes it's difficult to be on the receiving end of good news. And you wonder, you know, oh, you know, is this really for me? And I wonder, you know, if there were people asking that question that were mm-hmm. in attendance and looking in his eyes and if they were wondering, you know, is this, is this, is this news for me or is this mm-hmm. for somebody else? 
Yeah, I love that like Ignatian practice of kind of putting ourselves in the scene, right? So, you know, I definitely think that I I might be among those questioning and maybe like scandalized because he's quoting this and saying this about himself. But I also like how you said there were probably people there too, um, so badly wanting to hear that they're <laughs> that he's going to bring good things, and then also people too who maybe aren't ready to accept that to like, maybe they want good things and want to believe, but maybe aren't ready um, to accept that message. So I think that that's true that probably all of all, you know, there was many of those people among the crowd for sure that day. And then I mentioned when I read this kind of to prepare for today's recording, I got hints of the Magnificat, which we had talked about for our episode in the second season. So I don't know if if you made the same connections as I did um, reading that. I did. And I think it's Mm -hmm. interesting. You know, if we look at the Magnificat, there are kind of hints of the Magnificat in this passage. And and it makes you wonder how much of of a fingerprint Mary did have on Jesus's ministry. If if the Magnificat are her words and kind of the eruption of her heart, where Mm -hmm. she talks about the overturning of our understanding of what is um, a power and success, and um, you know how much of an influence did she have on Jesus? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's something mm-hmm. that I am curious about. Yeah, I think it is interesting. You know, Jesus starts his ministry with this, but then Luke's gospel starts. He's the one who gives us the most about Mary, and so we actually get the Magnificat. Her um, proclamation of praise uh, just a couple chapters before Jesus. So it is, I think she definitely like had an influence on Jesus. She would have raised him in a Jewish home. She probably would have taught him this scripture verse, which that kind of gives me chills to think about Mary, you know, knowing this Isaiah verse so well, proclaiming it when she hears the good news that's given to her and also to all of us <laughs> is, you know, as our salvation, and then teaching that to Jesus, who's then going to say it about himself. I mean, that's like a that's like a inception kind of moment. It's kind of cool to think about, right? And that's the I find scripture fascinating for that reason that it is mm-hmm. threads woven through from Old Testament through New Testament that there are um, that a lot of the people that are that populate the Bible were you know were related to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, not that Isaiah is related to, to Mary in any, you know, um, biological sense, but the fact that she was familiar enough with him, the themes that mm-hmm. he spoke and wrote about and that she was inspired, you know, by him, um, and how, then, you know, I take this into, okay, so what does that mean for me? Um, Mm -hmm. What does justice look like in my life? I still don't have great answers for that, but um, I think that the Magnificat is very much an anthem of of the, you know, of of the justice in, in the sense of God's view of justice rather than our human view. Yeah, and how he brings about that through Mary and then through her yes to through ultimately through Christ and how that justice flows through her. It's just it's that's so powerful because I don't think we think 
often, you know, we as Catholics love Mary and and do lift her up as that conduit that she was and is. But I think when we don't often think of her as like um, this minister, maybe of like justice, but she was like she literally brought justice into the world, you know, um, which is so cool and powerful to think about. Right, right. I mean, very literally. And so often when we look around at, I mean, if if we're to look at the pictures of what's happening in the Ukraine and and the devastation, um, and, and oftentimes I will look at those pictures while I'm praying and thinking about the lives of the people who are, you know, being affected by that kind of devastation. And you wonder, how is that going to be rebuilt? How mm-hmm. in the world can those people put their lives back together again in the midst of such heartache and um, just real physical devastation? But to me, that is what this passage speaks to, is that they shall rebuild those ruins and the mm-hmm. former wastes. They shall rise up in the desolate cities you know, will be overturned again in so that God's light can shine. Yeah. The the next place I was going to kind of take that, this was to kind of apply it to today's world. Cause I, you know, I mentioned that this was literally about rebuilding Jerusalem. The uh, mountain Zion is mentioned in this and Zion was a mountain uh, in Jerusalem that's referenced very often um, along, goes along with the prophecy that Isaiah makes about Jesus um, and so there's that literal interpretation about the, ba- the post-Babylonian exile. And then we talked about how it relates to Mary and how then it relates to Jesus's ministry. So then my next thing was to be like, how can we read this today? I'm such a history and like context girl that I get so wrapped up in the like history of it. But I think that these words very much um, speak to us today. So I like how you brought up you know, the literal devastation that's happening in parts of the world, specifically Ukraine, um, that hopefully... But I'm sure it's it's so hard. Like you read this and and you want to believe that, you know, but we have to believe that this is going to come true. But it's really hard to in that moment. So I guess what kind of advice would you have for people who are reading these words and really want to have that hope, right? Like we're that person in the crowd who's hearing Jesus being like, I really want to believe this, Jesus. Like what would you say to those people who really want to believe? I think it's I think it's hard. Um what you know, all that I can do oftentimes is look at the acorn and remember that in the natural world, God has given the acorn everything that it needs inside of itself um, to grow if it is placed in the right environment and around the, you know, the right um, ingredients for its growth. So it does need soil, it needs light, it needs water. Um, So the acorn in and of itself is not the oak of justice. It needs Mm. to be in the right environment. And I would say that people, you know, that if we are in the right environment, um, having chosen the right friends that encourage us and inspire us and challenge us, um, if we are nourished on scripture and um, able to trust in the slow, slow growth that things will change and we can be a part of that change um, incrementally. And so as, you know, as the oak of justice, you know, we look at an oak fully formed 
but it takes a very long time for that tree to grow. Um, and we may not even recognize the growth except for the seasonal, you know, the leaves that come and go. Yeah. I, I like how you brought it back to that phrase of Oaks of Justice since we kind of unpacked that at the beginning. And um, I think you're right that we need to be reminded and remind ourselves to be patient with ourselves, to be patient with God. God's time is not our time. He's outside of time. And, you know, if we're talking about something being brought forth, um, like the Oaks of Justice, you know, from, from this verse, it has to start, it does start small. And so it's not going to be instantaneous. And that's so hard in our world today that we do get so many things so quickly. Like if my, um, I have a Peloton app and so I take it with me to the gym and I haven't been able to like download classes. And so it's just like buffering. And I feel like even just like when we're, we're like buffering and we get so mad that it's not happening, the page isn't opening, you know, instantaneously for us. So it's, I think, extra hard for us in our culture when things happen so quickly. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that. Oh my gosh. I completely, I completely understand. I mean, who does have the patience to, to wait for anything to buffer? I'm yeah. the first person that as soon as something starts buffering, I'm like, close out, open it up again, close out, yeah. open it up again. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wait for the long term or for the, um, you know, these goals that take a year or two years, like I, who wants that? Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I have to remind myself by looking at other people, um, around me, um, to, you know, like asking for their encouragement and asking for them to pray for me because I lose patience so quickly. And I want to, I want to, um, to quit or I want to go from this project to that project. And, um, I, you know, often really don't have a desire to wait for God's timing. Um, so I don't know if, you know, what your experience of community is and if it's been something that's been important for you. Yeah, I think, I, community is everything to me because I, I live alone and I'm single. And so I definitely need community. I'm blessed that my family is happy and healthy, but they live in Ohio where you are. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I choose to live here in Richmond. And um, I have had to build up that community. Um, I've been blessed with many with many friends where I went to school that I keep in touch with and through the school that I teach at. Um, we have a beautiful com community of faith, which I, I think I take for granted. I think I don't realize like what a blessing that is to have to teach in a Catholic school and to have colleagues who like get it and understand it. I think we get so caught up in the busy. We were talking before about like that gradual, that patience. Um, I think it's really hard for my students. Part of the reason like, you know, we're clicking and we're trying to buffer when I'm in my classroom is because I want to keep things moving for them because they really don't have the attention span or the patience for it. I think I'm a little bit more, you know, because of the way I grew up, I can handle a little bit of quiet and stillness, but like they just really, so I, I know I worry a little bit for um, the next generation, but I do, when I do offer them silent moments, like they love it so much. So I think another thing that we can do community, as you mentioned, to have friends, to, to encourage us um, and to pray for us when we can't, like when we don't have it in us, I think that's great advice. But also I think um, to maybe provide ourselves with a little bit of opportunity and quiet, even though it might be hard um, to see if we can like seek out and intentionally 
give ourselves that space and those those quiet moments too, so that we can have that space to let something grow that we maybe don't even know, you know, needs to be planted. I think I get sometimes like these bursts of ideas when I finally sit down and allow myself to pause. <laughs> oh gosh, that resonates with me so much. And in mm-hmm. you know, I thought about, you know, what is the experience of, of an oak, of an oak tree mm-hmm. out in a forest? Um, it, while it could be in community with other oak trees, um, it's really experiencing the fullness of the sunlight, the water, the wind, the sounds of the birds. Um, it's not caught up in the the chitter chatter and the worrying about let's just say it's like a you know the the worrying about all the worries the health the jobs the social media um so how much can we do what small things can we do to be a little bit more like an acorn or an oak of justice where mm-hmm there is some some solitude or some silence baked into our schedule just a little bit not a lot of it you know but so that we we remain hungry for it mhm because i mean as christ says you know all we need is that mustard seed right so if we just give him a little he can really use it so i tell my students that i'm like if you just give like literally two minutes and sometimes I'll give them, you know, a minute or two in class and we'll just sit with like a candle lit um, and just have quiet for like two minutes. And they, they often want it longer, even though it's like uncomfortable um, in the Mm -hmm. first minute, they, you know, they, they do feel that. So I think you're right. I think if we can just make that little space, it doesn't have to be a lot. I think another part of our culture is we want to do everything big. And if it's like, you know, big or go home. And (laughs) sometimes we don't have to go big or go home, you know? (laughs) Right. One of the one of the ways that I first started practicing um, silence was to drive without listening to the radio, at mm-hmm. least for the first part of my commute. And I've recommended this practice to other people, and they've they have come back and shared what a difference it makes. Um, even if the first part of the drive, maybe the first three four minutes of the drive. Um, you can be intentional about praying for people or just listening to what God might want to say to you um, in those in those few moments. But it's a um, it's a safe way to go about mm-hmm. having silence, and you're kind of stuck anyway, sitting. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a great way to you know to practice some silence. Do you have a practice? I do. I, yeah. Um, I, I start my day, um, usually with some stillness or silent like meditation. And then if I moved or if I have time to read scripture, um, I'll read some of the scriptures for the day. Um, so that's my morning, like is precious to me. Like I just love, I need that like five, 10 minutes in the morning of stillness, um, to really kind of give me peace, for my day. I was going to say, I feel like we've had, you mentioned your podcast is called the Advent podcast. And I feel like we've had a very kind of Advent conversation, which is appropriate means we're very much in where we're recording. But I think these lessons are also, um, as we started by saying, like important throughout the year. So um, what else would you like to say about the scripture verse um, before we wrap up? I love that we've kind of honed in on that Oak of Justice line. Is there anything else you want to say in general before we go? 
Other than, um, I think it's very, very interesting that this is how Jesus chooses to introduce himself to us. And so it's something to pay attention to and to ponder. um, um, And then to think about what are some of the stories that I know about Jesus that are examples of him living this out. Yeah, I didn't even um, mention this, but because sometimes I'll read like the headings um, when I'm doing my context and the heading for this Isaiah passage, Isaiah 61, is the mission to the afflicted. And I feel like we've talked about that, that that Jesus starts his mission and his mission is for the afflicted, for us, for sinners. Um, so I love how we've, there's just so much here. So thank you for bringing this, this verse to us. At the end, I give people a chance to plug any projects and you have a couple of projects going on. So what would you like us to check out, Katie? I do. I have... One of my favorite things that I've created is um, called Pondering, and it's a guided journal. And I created it because so many people say, I want to spend my quiet time um, with Jesus in the morning or in the afternoon, but I don't know what to do when I get there. Mm -hmm. And so I created this journal as a way for somebody who um, might be afraid of a blank notebook or Mm -hmm. not quite know where to start if you're going to open the Bible and um, read a passage and then what do I do? So Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a series of questions. There's some quotes from the saints and it's just an easy way for you to do some personal reflection, but to dive in with Jesus. So that's called Pondering and it's on Amazon. Awesome. And you have a social media account, right? You are active on Instagram. and what's your handle? It's just your name on Instagram. It is Katie underscore Kibby. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention again, Love Today Well Collective, which you help coordinate um, some of our posts uh, for for the collective. So we'll give them a shout out. Definitely. Is there, is there anything upcoming that you want us to check out through, through the collective? Um, you know what? I would love for everybody who um, is looking for a monthly resource and just encouragement um, to sign up for our email list and you can Mm -hmm. find it at livetodaywell.co. I think that's our website. Mm -hmm. Um, I think great. And we have a monthly e-magazine that is distributed through our email list. And it is the most beautiful resource that you can, you can, you know, download it to your iPad or e-reader. You can print it off and use it in the morning. And there is the most fabulous group of women who are contributing to um, the Live Today Well Collective with, with our writing community. And um, I just, I love all of the women that I have met and worked with in that group. I agree. It's been such like, especially during the pandemic, it's so uplifting. And, and in this time, I just, I feel like the the women are all from all different walks of life, all different kinds of backgrounds and spiritualities. And it, it is really cool how it does come together in this collective. So I would 
echo that to sign up for the email list because the the magazine, the e-magazine is beautiful. Um, if you all want to check out more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at seven mile chats, all spelled out where I post about the podcast. And then also on Twitter um, at Miss Struckley one, M S S T R U K E L I one. Sorry. S T R U K E L Y one, where I tweet about things going on in my classroom. But thank you so much, Katie, for doing this. I really love the scripture passage and it's been great to chat. Oh, thanks for having me, Julia. Bye, everyone.